Welcome to the Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on the Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention. I'm your host, Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to today? I just was having a little chat with our guest for this morning, and he had this line. He just said to me, conscious choice. So I am paying attention to the conscious choices that we choose to make. I was just letting him know last night, there was an event for a dear friend of mine who has also been a guest on this podcast, Matthew Cahill, who was down from San Francisco and came down to Irvine, which is about an hour and a half, two hours, depending upon traffic, from where I live in Pasadena, California. And I ended up deciding that I was going to stay in a hotel room down here so that I could enjoy dinner and not worry about it, have some wine and not worry about it, and then come get a good night's rest and then be here with you all today. And life is full of opportunities for choice. And sometimes we make them consciously and sometimes we make them unconsciously. One of the things that I'm up to, obviously, with this podcast, The Cost of Not Paying Attention, is to bring more things into our conscious awareness so that we can make a choice about it. And that brings me right to our guest for today. Arno St. Paul is a philanthropist, an award-winning serial software, finance, and social impact entrepreneur. He's been doing this for more than 20 years and living between Los Angeles and Paris. And when he was 13 years old, he went through an awakening. I don't know yet what that means, but we're going to find out. While he was having a successful career in finance and technology across the country, He has been traveling throughout the world to study different religions and philosophies in his relentless quest to understand himself. Now, at this point, his life purpose is to open billions of hearts and help them find harmony inside and out. Y'all, how juicy is that? Welcome Arno. Hi, Janine. Thank you for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. Ah, I'm so glad to be here with you. Our first conversation was so wonderful. And so I want to start with that little teaser that was in your intro. You had this (laughs) awakening 
when you were 13. Yeah. Tell let's me more not, about that. What does that mean? Let's not forget about what we're going to really talk about. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, awesome. So, yeah, let's say that when I was 13, I started to realize that truth that we can hold inside ourselves, where the world is bringing us their own truth. And at some point, we have a choice. And so that was my first conscious choice of saying, no, this is not mine. My truth is something else. And so that's a definitive moment where you are born from a consciousness standpoint. And that led me to the quest of answering the question, who am I? Which brought me to these philosophies and religions and practices and brought about the Heartful Method today, which after 30 years of research, brought together some charts to explain how we're having this human experience. These charts were to help me. And it happens that it helps others at the same time. And we're doing our best with the tools. So I crafted the tools for my own personal conscious growth, I guess. That's what that awakening is about. Wonderful. Okay. So I want to get more into the tools and how folks can find them, but I'm going to put a pin in that idea. And one of the things that you and I talked about in our first conversation, which was so interesting, was about the masculine and the feminine that Mm -hmm. is within all of us. So Mm -hmm. in me, there is both masculine and feminine. In you, there is both masculine and feminine. And in our society, we often have it that men are supposed to be tough and macho and strong and never show weakness, never show vulnerability, mm-hmm. never let on that they're not 100% clear about what's happening and where we're going. And I think it's one of the really interesting and hopeful signs that some of that is starting to loosen up. So I want to get into with you some of what you've learned about the duality of the masculine and the feminine and how we get to work within this. Okay, so let's start with some foundation. But before starting on that, yes, the masculine and the feminine, really these two polarities through which all our experience, all our reality translates into. So that means that when we have too much masculine, maybe we're, as you define, we're very much into getting into war and a lot of stuff like that. When we're too much feminine, it's too passive and it doesn't work out. But I'll get back to that later. And so it has a very pragmatic application to the day-to-day work life. And uh, so, but I'll get there. So <laughs> to start with a very simple concept, As you said, we all embody these two energies. And as a matter of fact, in your physical body, all of us, we have the feminine on our left side and the masculine on our right side. But obviously, you're a woman, I'm a guy, technically. So you (laughs) chose to embody more of the feminine aspects, and I chose to embody more of the masculine aspects. But it could be reversed as well. Right. Happens as well. And also in your life, there are some moments or connected with some people, you will be more masculine or more feminine, depending on the situation, the topic, and many other aspects. So, in other words, it's a complete and constant dance between these two polarities. 
that we choose to embody at one point or another, whether it is in relationship with ourselves, with someone, with the situation, with an object, etc. And even the object, what we call reality, is the, the embodiment of the feminine energy, and we act as the masculine polarity in that case. So you can see that it's a constant reflection of reflection of reflection of all these polarities. And what is interesting is that whether conscious personal individual life or at a organization or a community level, let alone at a society level, and let's look at society for an instance, for instance, for a moment. So if we look at the US society nowadays, right, it's opening up slowly to the feminine principle of the polarity. So far, it has been all you know, if we look at the past few hundred years, it has been about conquest, it has been about creating new spaces, etc. Therefore, a lot of masculine energy was needed. And as we mature as a society, then we are ready to open up to more feminine energy, which is about more about collaboration and working together and being vulnerable, as you were saying earlier, while not losing the focus, right? And the direction, which is a property from the masculine energy. But also, we start to let go a little bit of the need of conquering the whatever enemy there is over there, and we can <laughs> as many as we want, and also losing, how would I put it, not taking care of the others, right? So society as a whole, as a trend, let's put it that way, and we can do it, we can say worldwide as well, is moving towards more feminine balance where both are there. We're not losing one for the other. We're just complementing each other, right? And the same thing happened at the individual level, but that's more of a, our choice on a moment-to-moment basis. And the same can happen in a company. So you have companies, and I worked with one of them two months ago on the Nile in Egypt, and there were 60 change makers. And the biggest problem they had was they were all about fighting the Googles and the Facebooks of the world because they are in technology. So the enemy is there and it's going to be, we're going to vanquish them, of course. And the fact is also that these stakeholders, these people in the company were not really in tune with each other. They were not coherent, not necessarily related to that, but there was, it's like the, the Tower of Babel, right? Everybody was speaking a language and they were not in alignment. Right. We started to work on two concepts. One was trust and the other was balancing the masculine and the feminine and using the technology of the temples as well because we were on the Nile. So let's do it in stereo while we're at it. We were able to bring these people to a place where all of a sudden these mighty enemies start to become more of, yes, it may be a goal or probably the vision is a little bit elsewhere, right? Because the thing is, when we're too masculine and all going against the enemy, so to speak, we are actually also creating resistance Yes. in our reality in general. And so because I have to find an enemy, therefore the enemy is found and therefore I'm having an, and it will be a lot of effort and struggle and hustle which costs a lot of money for the company. So it translates into a lot of advertising, a lot of suffering in the company, a very bad culture, blah, blah, blah. When if we allow ourselves, starting with the founders, but also the whole teams, to accept 
or allow the feminine energy to activate itself. And so creating that dance I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. where the feminine brings about all the different aspects, the tools that are necessary for you to, yes, achieve your vision. If we, the team allows to bring about the feminine energy so that all the tools, all the events are happening in a very seamless fashion because we came into an equilibrium, into a balance between the masculine and the feminine. So where basically the masculine energy is like an arrow, it goes in a direction, it's all about move, 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 right? And focus. Yes, create a result. Exactly. And the feminine is about, is the cloud coming here? (laughs) Okay, it's okay. We're all in it together. Yeah, we are all in it together. And at the same time, it is the whole, it's matter. So in the core principles of these energies, the feminine energy is matter, it's abundance, it's prosperity, it's all that. And so it wants to give to the masculine energy, but it cannot if it's not allowed to, of course. So instead of move, 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 why not move it a bit and then allow the feminine to come about and bring what is needed and then continue to move forward. So the whole idea there is really to be part of the dance between the masculine and the feminine and so that together they can move forward. I love that. And so I remember when you work with this organization on the Nile, you were talking about bringing in more feminine energy. I am curious if there is a difference when you're working on creating trust, Mm -hmm. if what you're pulling in is feminine energy versus what you're pulling in is masculine energy. Completely. Yes. Yeah, totally. Can you talk about how, because I remember you were saying that when you were working with this team, so I'm curious about how building trust gets fostered inside each of those different energies. So there are many ways to answer your question. I'll try to pick one that is coherent. The property of the masculine being this arrow it is on its arrow on its own, right? It's kind of, it's all about competition and I'm alone. I am going in my direction on my own. Yes. And when we are opening up to our feminine aspect, as we said earlier, we're opening up to this idea of we and collaboration and coming back to this cloud that has all the possibilities available. And therefore, comes along with that trust because if I, so, which means that in other words, I am letting go of being too much of that arrow that we were talking about the masculine energy and coming back to the center where the cloud and the arrow meets, meaning being more the balance between the feminine and the masculine. And from that place, I am able to be more in trust with not only the world and the others, but myself, more importantly, because there is no more a need of running beyond myself, which would be the case if you were only on your arrow, right? And I am ready to be part of something, a a collaboration, a team working together, trusting that whatever comes is always an amazing opportunity for me to be a better version of myself and therefore bring about better results for me and my team at the same time. 
Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. And so I'm thinking about the shift that is happening, not in all, but in many organizations as we are moving through this global pandemic. I think one of the things that is a hallmark of organizations that have managed through it very well is the leaders of the organizations have been very honest and very transparent and very willing to be open and vulnerable about. I remember when the CEO of Airbnb released Mm -hmm. a statement about essentially said, I have never been through a global pandemic either. And I don't exactly know how we're going to work through this. And I know we will and how we will get through it is together. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen it, it was, I'm sure you, Arno, have seen it. But if our listeners have not seen it, it is a wonderful example of bringing in vulnerability while still showing strength, while still being an arrow and Mm -hmm. pointed in a direction, also being willing to say, I don't know. And... What I do know is that our strength as an organization is in our people and together we're going to figure it out. And I think more and more organizations and more and more leaders are beginning to be willing to explore that sort of duality, which is one of the Mm -hmm. things that made me so interested in and excited about getting to talk with you today, because that's a big part of what you and I talked about in our first conversation is that duality. Do you share that perspective? And what have you learned in working with leaders around that duality? I mean, if we want to create a metaphor out of that, usually companies most of the time, imagine a piano, it has 88 keys and 44 are the feminine side and 44 on the masculine side, right? And most of the time, let's say that the lower keys are the masculine and the high pitch on the feminine side. So the first or the second octave of that piano is where most of the companies are playing because they are all about hustling, et cetera, et cetera. But what if we open up to the 88 keys? (laughs) All of a sudden, not only do we have a more efficient company, not only are we able to actually achieve more and better, but more importantly, everybody is happier. And it goes through opening up to that vulnerability, which is very important, more so in the world we're, we're living in now. And as you said, that pandemic opened up an amazing opportunity for so many to reinvent themselves and more importantly, ask themselves the question, what is important to me as an individual within the context of work as well? And we're seeing that, yes, it is possible to work and being very efficient and at the same time to be in an environment that is pleasing, being in the countryside or et cetera which is also a huge transformation at society level because it's letting go of walls that seem to be impervious so far, but all of a sudden opens up amazing opportunities for everyone to grow together. So 
what I've seen, to get back to your question about leaders that are too much in their masculine, for instance, is that because of that, they would unconsciously, yes. they will limit the growth of their company because of that imbalance skewed towards the masculine. Not that, I mean, the same would apply if we were on the other side skewed to the feminine, right? Yeah. So it's all about finding the right approach where, or better said, the dance, where it's all about cycles, right? Patterns. So the masculine will push it a little bit, show a direction, focus, and then the feminine comes and brings about the gifts and then come again, we do the same and we continue on. And I've seen companies growing a lot faster that way. I mean, way faster, but because the CEO was aware of that and was able to enact that dance in a conscious way, because as you said, at the very beginning of this session, it's all about conscious choices anyway. Right. And so becoming aware of that dance is a great way to become aware of ourselves and the different cycles between what ours, the companies, the teams, the individuals, etc. I love where this conversation is going. And I love this concept of duality. And while I spent a number of years, probably starting about 15 years ago, getting very interested in neurobiology and brain science, it was originally from a very personal perspective. I was trying to understand what is happening inside men's brains that might mm -hmm. be different from what's happening inside <laughs> women's brains. And it was all inside the context of dating. And I was going through a time where I was very interested in meeting the person with whom I would spend the rest of my life. And mm -hmm which has happened. And we've been married now for a number of years. We're actually just about to celebrate our 10th anniversary this fall. And so one of the things that I found out over the course of that, which then just took me down an amazing rabbit hole of studying how our brains collectively work and how men's brains are actually wired differently from mm. women's brains. So this idea of duality makes a lot of sense to me, both in terms of our biology, of the way our brains are structured, but also in our energy and in our beingness. And of mm -hmm. course, some men are more skewed towards the masculine. Some are more skewed towards the feminine. Some are more harmoniously balanced. Some women are more skewed towards the masculine, skewed towards the feminine and or harmoniously balanced, all of which is fine. Nature just wants a balance. And one of the things that has been really interesting to me in working with companies and organizations is bringing that balance. And I did not have it distinguished until our first conversation several months ago about the masculine and the feminine. And I mm. love that concept. I spent 10 years almost working in the trash and recycling business. And I now have actually two different clients who were in that business. And of course, as you can imagine, it is a very masculine business yeah. picking up trash. And one of my clients in particular is more skewed. The company energy is more skewed to the feminine. 
And Mm -hmm. we just had a great victory a couple of weeks ago. And it was so interesting seeing the way that that company created that victory Mm -hmm. and the way that they celebrated the victory, the way that Mm -hmm. they both the way that they celebrated and the way that they created it was very much in the collective. It was Mm -hmm. very much how are we going to achieve this and what's the opportunity for us as an organization and how do we stand apart from the people obviously with whom we're competing with, but not in an us versus them kind of way. The conversation was always, these are very good companies. These are Mm -hmm. very good people who are bidding for these contracts. And there's some things that are different about them. Mm -hmm. And so it was all just about highlighting the differences and never saying we are better or they are bad or Mm -hmm. those constructs that we can often fall into. And I realized when I was in my car on my way home, I sent a text to my other client who actually had originally planned on bidding on this contract because I wanted him to know that we had had this victory and he put me in contact with this second company and he and I are going out to dinner in 10 days to for me to acknowledge and celebrate him and his contribution to this. And it's just a very different concept. And it's been such a different experience. And I had not realized until this conversation right now Mm -hmm. that really the difference is it was much less masculine energy and much more feminine energy in Mm -hmm. this, through this process. Awesome. There you go. Good illustration. And so if people are listening to this conversation and thinking, huh, okay, this is interesting. I am realizing that either I or my organization may be too collective and we may have a hard time getting things actually accomplished because the process and conversations about it have become so cumbersome, which can also happen in organizations. Mm -hmm. How can people start to get more of a balance. What ideas do you have about how people can begin? Obviously, in addition to reaching out to you, how can people begin to work towards that? Well, recently, the past 10 years, I guess, the U.S. started to talk about diversity. And that's a great way to start where we start including more women in the board and the C-suite, etc. But it's not just that because unfortunately some women, in order for them to be there, had to cultivate more of their masculine and less of their feminine. So it's no fault of them by a long shot. So it is about, well, it's about culture, right? In the end, that's what we're talking about. But it is about finding a new balance. And we started, as you were mentioning, this recycling business is an amazing example And you have the same in any social impact-driven type of company or conscious capitalism type of companies or B Corps, et cetera, et cetera, that will be more open to a masculine slash feminine balance. Mm -hmm. Now, 
what can we do now besides working together about finding? So I guess the first thing is becoming aware. So when you look at your company, your organization, your team, look out for what are the, the main characteristics of that of these teams? Are they more about hustle, struggle, you're running through difficulties, which are always the same. So we have a pattern there. It is about everybody's for myself, right? It's about individuality. Or on the other side of the spectrum, it is more about we're not moving. It's all great. We're such happy friends. and uh, <laughs> But we're not getting very much done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So maybe becoming aware of that will start a journey that say, okay, if I am my team, my company, my organization, my community, if they are more geared towards one side or the other, first and foremost, it is a great reflection on where I stand now as a leader, right? Yes. Okay. So is there something that I could tap into? In other words, Instead of playing on two octaves, let's use eight octaves altogether or the 10 of them. Maybe that is appealing. And so start to test new ways, right? So incorporating new ways to communicate with the team or to help the team to communicate between them. The most important part that we've seen is, as we said earlier, fostering trust between the members is also at the same time to help the individuals to connect to their feminine and their masculine side, understanding what is what in my experience, not in the knowledge or the mental aspect, but more in experience, what is one aspect and what is the other. Mm -hmm. And that usually changes lives and fosters a stronger balance within the individual and therefore within the team or the teams for that matter. So that would be the first steps I would advise to take. That's what we did on the Nile for that company. Mm. And we're happy to do it for any company for that matter. And yeah, that's a great first step. Wonderful. So I remember we were talking at one point about charts that you have developed, and I don't want to lose that thread. Tell me a little bit more about these. And is that something that people can find by going to your website or how could people, so A, what are they? And B, how can people find them? Right. So A, (laughs) 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 so these are concepts that I was able to draw to allow myself to understand core aspects of our experience. So how to go from the mind to the heart or what is the masculine and the feminine energy? As we mentioned, it's an arrow or a cloud. And so all these things in a very illustrative way, how do I deal with that mind, that heart, that I, that we always repeat so many times a day? And so figuring out that whole map, right? In other words, ends up being a visual map that is which foundation is on the different religion practices, but also quantum physics, science, etc. And to have a new understanding of our lives as a company or as an individual. So in other words, to help me or help my organization to go from a state of cacophony to a state of symphony, mm-hmm. where all the musicians play together in complementarity 
and not on just two octaves fighting against each other. I mean, it's a caricature, obviously, but you get my drift. So, <laughs> so I love you get my drift with a French accent. It's such an American expression with a French accent. Yes. I'm picking up what you are putting down. Okay. So how to get them? Well, first there is a page on our website, tapua.com slash harmony, where you can leave your email and you'll get access to four workshops that are based on the Heartful Method using these charts. So you can go from a place of struggle to a place of ease and peace. And so with these four workshops, you'll really have a journey and at the same time, learn more about the Heartful Method. And then beyond that, if you want the whole thing, then the most likely scenario is going after a one-on-one guidance with myself, which is a 12-session program. Or you go to one of our retreats uh, where we go over many core concepts as well. Do you Um, have a retreat coming up? Yeah. So end of November, 26th of November, actually during uh, Thanksgiving. So people that are not going to Thanksgiving could come to this (laughs) event. And for eight days, we go on the Nile. uh, We visit some Uh. temples in a very intimate and VIP access. So we do some Qigong and each day is about a specific theme and we work together and we connect deeply and and experience harmony from a place of to be present to ourselves, right? And we organize that for companies as well or organizations. So we can do that for up to 60 people. Wow. Well, and isn't it interesting? November 26th is my birthday. Oh, happy uh, birthday. Thank you in uh, four months or however long away from now that is, five months. I'll see you on the boat. That this is happening on my birthday. What a wonderful birthday present that would be. Exactly. Tell your husband or your partner. And my husband. Yes. Yes. Hmm. I'll see you on the boat. You have planted an idea, Arno. Oh, yay. That's my job. Okay. So we will also have information about how to get in touch with Arno, links to his website and information about accessing these charts and maybe even about the trip. Um, yeah. Napua.com slash Egypt. Super easy. Her, oh, very good. And all of that will be in the show notes. So check mm-hmm. that out. Okay. So as we start wrapping up here today, I am filled with gratitude for your energy, for your smile, for your mission that you are on to touch the hearts and minds of people and to create harmony, both in the way that we have been talking about in uh, many other ways, of course, as well. And Mm -hmm. So I just want to give you an opportunity if there was something that you were hoping that we might talk about today that we haven't yet touched on. Is there something else that you want to bring in before we wrap up? So many, so many, so many. (laughs) So we will have a 74-hour podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a good idea. Let's start with that. That's the aperitif, and then we can go to the main meal afterwards. Yes, I mean, talking to our audience, who is about helping their business to thrive. 
So first and foremost, we usually are, let's face it, we usually are the biggest constraint to our own business. <laughs> and that's what I've seen with all of the CEOs I've helped so far. And when we get ourselves out of it, then everything starts to thrive. So getting out of it doesn't mean that we part ways and we don't take care of the business, no. But we start to become a more crystal clear mirror that is not adding more constraints to the business because the business wants to thrive on its own, but we don't allow it. Yes. So getting back to the title of the, of the podcast, the business's biggest opportunity and biggest cost, not from a financial <laughs> standpoint, right. but because we are imposing without consciousness, without knowing so many limitations. So let me illustrate with one now. For instance, I was working with a CEO who had, so the way we work with the Heartful Method is the CEO reports to me what are the events that happened throughout the week, what was noticeable. And then out of that usually shows up a pattern that is the existing belief system that is active within the CEO's reality. Mm. And mm -hmm. in that context, the CEO's reality was showing up that he needed to control his company, which happens more often than not, right? Even if we don't necessarily think we are, some way we are afraid that the company thrives because life is all about thriving. It's all about chaos. It's not about being controlled, right? Any woman will know that. So because of that controlling aspect, he was not able to sign seven-figure contracts and more. Mm. So in that session, we were able to let go of that. And the week after, he signed nine-figure contracts. <laughs> and now they are piling up the contracts. So it's a beautiful illustration, I think, on the bottom line of the company related to the CEO's belief systems and how one is related to the other. Yes. And I have many examples of that. So it's very, very pragmatic. We're not here about talking about love and anything woo-woo. Right. <laughs> we are, <laughs> but it happens to be very real. Right. And, and it and makes it a huge difference to the bottom line and to everyone's day-to-day -day experience of being in the yes. company. And it works 100% of the time. Well, check that out, y'all. Okay. Here is a thing that works 100% of the time and is going to have your company grow and have all your people work together more harmoniously, more effectively, with more joy and pride in their work. Mm. How would you not decide to take that on? Oh, this has been an amazing conversation and eye-opening for me, and I hope eye-opening and creating some new possibilities and new perspectives for our listeners. Arno, thank you so much for, oh, thank you, Janine. for the juice that you <laughs> bring to the world, to this work, for your mission, for the heart and mind, yin and yang duality that you are helping us all 
understand and live into more consciously and more fully. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, It has been my honor, truly. This has been the cost of not paying attention. And I am Janine Hamner-Holman. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been the cost of not paying attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams. I'm beginning to think I'm beginning